Well, good morning, church. Come on, church. Good morning, church. To those of you online, we say good morning to you. Even though we can't hear you, we are assuming and believing that you're saying good morning back to us as we... uh, Let me start by introducing myself. My name is David Jones. It has been a little while since I have been up here. It was great for me and my family uh, to get away one week, but also just to sit where you're sitting. Uh, So I was able to join online one week that I was gone and then be in the room uh, the other two. And my goodness, are we blessed by our staff, but specifically, are we blessed by Raf Gonzalez over the last series, man? It is, uh, it, God, God blessed and spoke to my heart um, through, his, uh, through the series we just finished, Tempted. Um, so if you missed that, you can find it on our website, relentlesschurch.cc. It's kind of where you find everything, right? So if you're new with us and you want to fill out a connect card, let us know who you are or sign up for something or ask questions about something. All of that is on our website. We'd love for you to go there. Today we're starting, it's kind of a mini series, right? It's just a two-weeker uh, today and next week and It's called Remember, and man, I don't know about you, but I used to have this memory, y'all. Like, here's here's what I did. I used to, um, uh, for, you know, Vassie just mentioned getting married, so for newlyweds, young, you know, sports guys, like, I realized earlier in our marriage, I had to let something go, because my wife was like, man, one season flows into the next season, like, it never stops with this stuff, so... I let go, and don't be offended, I let go of baseball, right? I followed everything, but baseball is a sport I had to let go of because it just was, you know, too time-consuming, and it was down on the list. But when I was a younger man, back at, like, young people, I see some of our teenagers, college students in the house. Back in the day, there was these things. You'd Google this later. It's called a newspaper, right? I don't know if you ever heard of it. But it was like, it was like a website, but it was printed, it was printed on paper, so it would tell you what's going on. So uh, we would get the newspaper at our house, and what I would do is I would go and I would read the box scores of the baseball games, right? So-and-so was two for four with three RBIs, whatever, and I would memorize it. And then I would go, and me and my friend, and I would, ha- I would get tested if I could remember what I read at school, if I could remember who was three for four with whatever. And man, my brain, man, I could, I could get all those numbers. I loved it back then. And my kids now... In their own way, each, all three of them have like these crazy memories. Aren't, aren't young, like I have three teenagers, aren't their brains incredible? Like all the stuff that they can just, and it's just like nothing. The other, uh, we were looking, we're into uh, cards these days, like trading cards, basketball cards, um, me, me and my kids. And, and I was looking at this uh, Kobe Bryant card that was amazing and black label, if you're into that stuff. Um, and it was 1999, 2000. I was like, Jackson, is that a, was that his rookie card? I can't remember. Was that Kobe's? Rookie year, 99, 2000. And he was so offended. It's like, Dad, no. He came in 96 with Iverson. Like, don't you remember that? Don't, how can you not know that? And I was like, I do know it. I just don't remember it. Right? But now, now that I got a little refresher, it's not that I don't know. It's an, oh, yeah, I had forgotten. I do know it. I just forgot momentarily. We're going to plug into that phrase, oh yeah. Let me, let me give you some other examples. They all won't be sports, but God does love sports. It's an amazing season of sports right now. I'm excited to watch some good stuff later today. But, but last week they announced the next year's Hall of Fame class for the NBA, right? And if you follow sports, you know some of these names. If you don't follow basketball, it's okay. But there was one dude on the list, or was a couple dudes, but we won't get into that. There was one dude on the list, I was like, really? Hall of Fame? 
His name's Ben Wallace, right? You see a picture of him. I think you can see that online. He had great hair. And I remember Ben Wallace. I just was like, Hall of Fame? Like, Hall of Fame is like, you know, top. I don't know if my man did enough because he couldn't score, he couldn't shoot, but he's a good defender. Then I, then I looked up his stats. He was defensive player of the year. Best player in the league on defense, which as coaches, you know, I coach some basketball. We tell, like, defense is as important or more important. Than Best player in the league on defense, four years, four times he's the best defensive player. Like, and, I, and I read his stats and his stuff and what he did, what he accomplished, and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He definitely is a Hall of Famer. It's not that I didn't know. I had just forgotten. You with me? Right? And, and I like history like some of y'all. Let's get away from sports. And there's a story. I don't know if you ever heard it. I don't know if they teach this in school. You ever heard of the exploding cigar? You ever heard of that? Like, it, it just can't be true. And every time I talk about it, I look it up again on several different sources because today things are crazy with sources and news. I look it up several ways to just say, hey, did this really happen before I go and speak it to human beings? And it did. Like, the government has admitted that the government of America tried to kill this next dude, my man, not my man, Fidel Castro, right? We tried to assassinate him a bunch of ways. But one of the ways is we, we, ha- we invented an exploding cigar. And we tried to get that smuggled in and get into his stash so that when he smoked the exploding cigar, it would have killed him. Like, this isn't a movie. Like, and I was like, even this week, I was like, no, no, that, that didn't happen. Oh, yeah, that's right. It did. I had just forgotten. Right? Even in this building, we've been here two years and a few months since we moved from the theater. But half of that, we haven't been here right? Because we were not meeting in person. And we were in the movie theater way longer than we've been in this, you know, in in this room. And we're so blessed by it. And I never forget what that was like, but sometimes I almost kind of do, right? Some pictures on the screen of what we used to call load in and load out. We had, uh uh-huh, see, if you you, you remember, some of you moan, like 7 a.m., we had a crew. They loaded it in. Eventually, we got good. We had load-in crews that were separate from the load-out crews. In the early days, the load-in crew was the load-out crew. You did it all from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. Man, that stuff got heavier through the years, like same equipment, but somehow it got heavier. It was was a long day that we were blessed to come in here, and it's like, oh, my goodness, God is so good, and we don't don't have to do all that. And, And sometimes, it's like, did we really owe it? Yeah, it's not that I forgot, but I kind of sometimes, thankfully, forget. just need a reminder. We're a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God. That's what, that's what we're becoming, church. That multi-ethnic piece like we talk about, that we, often you'll hear me say, man, we, we, we are in the, the movement that has never happened in the 240 years of our country. Right, which is true, but sometimes I forget that this is, we always say this isn't a fad. Sometimes I forget that this was the heart of God 2,000 years ago when you saw multi-ethnic church happen in the first century and even in our own country. And I've told the story before, but sometimes I forget that, that especially in the Northeast, early in our country, there were multi-ethnic churches in the 1700s. Right, this, this, my man, Absalom Jones, he's on the screen. I don't know if we're related. I haven't done the research to know we have the same last name, but I'm not saying we are or we're not. 
But Absalom Jones and a guy named Richard Allen, they were in a church, um, a Methodist Episcopal church in Philadelphia. And in 1780s and 90s, uh, black folks were preaching. They were preaching not just to a black church. They were preaching to a multiracial crowd 230 years ago. Right When the gospel shows up, you see this not just racially, but you see people coming together that culture would say should not. It's a core in the gospel. And then one historic, horrible day, as a lot of the black congregants in this church of Philadelphia, including Absalom Jones, were praying on the floor, on the first floor, it was a tiered uh, auditorium with a balcony. As they were praying, a white leader came to Absalom Jones and said, we need you and your people to go to the balcony. This was after they had preached and been apart. This wasn't new. And it's really hard historically to get down to the nitty gritty of what went on to, a, to, to get to that day. But this white leader asked him to do that. Absalom Jones' response was like, brother, like we'll have this conversation, but let us finish our prayer. Like we'll have this conversation, but we're praying to God. We're brothers, same God. Let's pray and we'll talk about this later. The, the leader was adamant. No, no, no. You guys have got to go and you've got to go now. So Absalom Jones and Richard Allen led their group, not to the balcony, but out the doors, never to return again. It was the beginning of the AME church in America. So it's not that this has never been done. That was 230 years ago, church. We're still coming back, not to something new, but to something old that God planned for us to be. And if I don't read that history, sometimes I forget what's possible, where we come from, how bad some things are historically, but how hopeful some things are historically. And what I've been praying, because it's important to remember, but sometimes remembering is painful. I've been praying, especially over this last crazy year and a half, I've been praying for us. I've been praying unity, not fake unity where we don't talk about hard things and, and you don't bring your stuff into the room and I don't bring my stuff into the room and we just, you know, smile and see each other and have a great hour or whatever and then we go back into our own life. Not fake unity, but real in each other's lives, hearing perspectives that are uncomfortable or unknown or challenging and being united underneath all of that by real powerful, creative God. And I want that for us. And we've grown in that. We've got so much more room to grow. And part of that is just the habit of remembering. On the unity front, we, we have worked so hard. Don't clap or make a big deal about this because that doesn't unite us. But we, in addition to being a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church, we're also a multi-opinionated church. Did you know that? Right? Specifically in the current circumstances over the last whatever about if we should meet online only or in person, if we should socially distance chairs, if we should talk about vaccines, if we should wear masks. We are a multi-opinionated church. In fact, I mentioned our awesome staff. We're a multi-opinionated staff. Right? It has been challenging, but we have prayed through that, that we would keep 
our unity. Not that we would all see those things the same way. I've kind of accepted we're not, and that's okay, because we come back to what? What we just sang. There's nothing better than Jesus, so we just ignore everything else. No, there's nothing better than Jesus, and our love for Jesus is going to create a love for us, and we're going to get through all the stuff that we may not see alike, and Jesus' goal is not for this room or online family. His goal is not for us to all have the same vaccine opinion. His goal is that we would be united as real. It's not fake words. Real brothers and sisters. Did you agree with your brothers and sisters about everything? I don't, man, me and my brother still to this day, it is insane. Like I just sometimes try to lie and agree with him on sports takes because he's always wrong about that stuff. With masks, I, I think this needs to be said because when we came back uh, in November, uh, we were really bold, and, and it was for safety, right, that we, we never use the word require of mask, because I knew, like, I'm just, we're, we're a transparent church, and we can say that, but do we mean it? And the only way you can mean it is if you have an enforcement team, right? So we were going to have to seek out, I'm like, who wants to be on the enforcement team that confronts the people that come in here with masks, that come to church to work? Like, who wants to be on that team? And I didn't want to have that team, and nobody wanted to be on that team. Well, that's not true. A few people wanted to be on that team. They wanted to be on that team really bad, right? So that was an issue, too. So we just said, listen, we, we're going to trust you to know where you're at, but we recommend, we ask you for the safety of all to wear masks. And, and I so appreciate our volunteers and people with all kinds of perspectives um, that have gone with, with what we thought best as an overall church. Well, we've followed painfully and respectfully, but sometimes painfully, we followed what some would say are experts, some wouldn't even like that term, but we followed the CDC, we followed our governor, we followed the local requirements. So based on uh, the more recent decisions, we, we are using the word, like many churches, of uh, we are a mask-optional church starting today. Now, with that, here's all I ask to keep the unity. Do not judge. I think, I don't know, I could be wrong, I think we'll have masks in this place for a long time, right? So if someone has a mask or doesn't have a mask, unless you know them personally, assume the absolute best. In addition to being multi-generational, multi-ethnic, and multi-opinionated, we got people all over this spectrum as far as the vaccination, right? We got people that were vaccinated before the thing was even fresh. They were first in line. They were cheating and lying on the thing. They were getting vaccinated so bad, right? We got other people that waited their turn and are vaccinated, fully vaccinated in the room. We got other people that were like, I don't think that's for me, but through the years or months or whatever, they've begun, they're getting, they're not fully vaccinated. They're between doses or they're thinking about getting their first dose, prayerfully considering that, which we what? Totally respect that process. It's individual. It's important to them. We got some people that are like, I'm not getting vaccinated in 21. I may get vaccinated way down there. Maybe, not promising. I may, but I'm not getting vaccinated yet. It's too early for me. And then we got the group, I ain't never I ain't never, unless Jesus is in the parking lot giving the actual shot, and still, I might skip him, right? I'm never getting it. So what do we, we take that whole spectrum and try to bring everybody to, no, we're not trying to bring everybody together on the vaccine. We're trying to be together and just love each other wherever you're at. So that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to, for the, for the time being, I don't know how long, we're going to continue to be, the chairs aren't normal if you're online, they're, they're still six feet plus, and we got several places in the room that you can kind of be 
away from people. Some of our introverts, this whole pandemic has been like their dream scenario, right? They got, a, they got an excuse not to talk to people or be near people. We're just going to try to stay together. But today, I want us to remember today and next week. Next week, I'm looking forward to, I know it's Memorial Day. If you're around, come, we're going to have a communion Sunday. If you're If you're online with us, I ask you to have something next week that you can take communion bread or juice or wine, whatever you want to do, so you can participate with us. But today, I want to remember, and sometimes sometimes it's, oh yeah, that's right, I had forgot. But sometimes it's, I didn't know that. Right, you can't remember something you never knew. Right, and, and this has been so hard to communicate with you as a church and this craziness, right? Vasi just shared, you know, 20, 30 minutes ago that she was getting married this Saturday, and some of you, maybe a lot of you were like, what? When did this happen? Right? She's been engaged for a while, but, you know, she, we hadn't talked a ton about it, right? So this is her, this is the last time a lot of you will see uh, engaged, non-married covenant Vasti. She's going to look completely different when you see her <laughs> again. But if we don't tell you... You don't know. Some of you don't know, like in 2021, as crazy as the goodness of God, we hired, right? We didn't fire. We hired. We brought on a new staff member. Her name is Takesha Dockery Raglan. She's awesome, right? She's killing it back there. That's the wrong word to use. She's crushing it with the kids, right? She's in our RC Kids ministry. Um, and we, we brought her on as a part-time staff member in January, February, right? So, so you, you, you may not know that. And on, on a sadder note, uh, Takesha uh, lost her grandfather this week. Please be in prayer uh, for her. If you know her story and her upbringing, her, her grandfather uh, was much more like a father than a, than a grandfather in her life. So uh, whether you know or not, please be in prayer for her and her family. But, but things change, right? And if you don't know, then you don't know. And if nobody tells you, uh, how about these deals, right? Some of you haven't been here in a while, maybe even first time back, maybe first time ever. Right? And you're like, man, look at those bad boys. These screens are, something looks different, right? These screens are new. Did you know that? Right? These, these, we used to project, right? Like two weeks ago, we projected. And, and I want you to know what happened because I don't want anybody thinking, man, relentless in the pandemic. They, they don't know what to do. So they're just wasting money on extremely, like we didn't buy these. <laughs> we did not buy these. We are blessed to be in this building owned by Stephen and Karen uh, Scoggins, who run uh, their construction business, but also uh, have a really uh, awesome kind of side ministry that they do, productions and video work as a part of that. And so in order for, for that, and also to bless us, they just did it. They just like, hey, we're buying LED screens. Cool? Cool, right? Yeah. So thank you. So we get, we get to see like Ben Wallace in HD now, and like we're going to do all kinds of cool stuff. But if you don't know, Right? How, how can you know unless somebody tells you? So sometimes, some things this morning, I need you to remember. Some of you, you're like, you know what? I didn't know that. And that's a beautiful thing. But this art, it's an art. It's a discipline of remembering. It's underrated. It really is underrated. Right? I have three teenagers, as I mentioned, and it's really cool. Young parents, hang in there. It's really cool when they start to brush their teeth because they don't want to have funky breath not because you make them, right? And somewhere, I don't remember when it happened for me, but somewhere along the line, I didn't have to make a note or remember to brush my teeth. I didn't want to go out and talk to people unless I'd brush my teeth. It became a habit, right? So, so remembering, we remember to brush our teeth, but we don't remember to remember, right? And I could make the case as much as I'm pro-hygiene, I could make the case remembering to remember is more important to your life than remembering to brush your teeth. 
So today, we're just going to remember a little bit. Right? Online, you can remember with us. Maybe it just needs to be said. What, what are we doing, church? What are we about? Why? Like, good grief, we named it Relentless Church. We can't be the church that gives up, right? Relentless just means you keep on coming. And we didn't, we didn't say that's us. We said that's God, right? Uh, ben Wallace, man, he was relentless. You know, he's, he's, most people agree he is the best NBA player in history that was not drafted, right? He, he was undrafted. He came from Virginia Union and college, and nobody ever really heard of him. And, and he, Hall of Fame, we, we have this phrase, we love the long shot. He was a long shot. And we, we love it in athletes, but, but it all comes from God. He just keeps coming. He just keeps showing up with his love. He doesn't give up on anybody, especially the people that we think should be given up on. And all of us that have lived any kind of time with Jesus, we deserve to be given up on. Given up on, but you know what I meant. But he's relentless. That's, that's why, that's what this church is about, the relentless love of God. We say that, we, we did a whole series, Losing Our Religion, a, a couple months ago. We say, we'll take relationship over religion every time. Religion hurts people. Religion restricts. Relationship frees. That's why we do this in our relationships. Here's why, here's why we're not going, let's just do online. For everybody, right? There's something not bad about sitting on your recliner, drinking whatever you drink, watching, sort of watching church, right? Why? Wait, because relationships with God, it starts with the vertical, but the gospel says it's closer and tighter and more understand of who God is and who he says I am. That's going to completely change my horizontal relationships. The closer I get to God, the tighter I get with God, the more I'm going to love you. The vertical translates to the horizontal, and then the horizontal within the church translates to the world. You know that was the goal, Relentless Church? From 2014, when this thing kicked off, the goal is to change the world. That hasn't changed. We don't have the power to do that. God's power does that through us. We do that by focusing on relationship over religion. We talk about transformation over transaction. We don't want a fast food God where we drive through, we give him something so he gives us something back. We ask for peace and safety for our family and then we try to go to church or do a few. No, we don't want transaction. We want transformation. We want to watch God change us by the power of Jesus. It's so encouraging to see God changing us with all the bumps and bruises along the way. Jesus forming himself in us. Wow. That never gets old. We say that the gospel is this incredible news of our rescue and adoption. That's what we're about. We're about seeing people rescued, but not rescued for no reason. Rescued for a reason to be adopted into his multi-ethnic family that's going to live forever. That is tasked with the amazing mission of bringing heaven to earth and going to all the world and making disciples. That's who we are. That's what we're about. Let's remember that there is no plan B. That the church of Jesus is the only plan for God to redeem this broken world. We're a part of that. With that, I want to zero in one more level this morning. Not just who we are as a church, but, but to this word that's really been on my heart. I feel like 
God's been really been teaching me a lot about this word over the last six, eight months. That word is joy. Right? The, the, the biblical word joy, not our women's pastor joy. We like her too. But I'm not talking about joy bay. I'm talking about joy. And I would say the emotion, but it's really not an emotion. And you've heard me talk before about my coach. Um, he was supposed to come in November originally. Um, he'll come eventually. His name's Dean Troon. He's my spiritual father in a lot of ways. And, and we were talking months ago and he said, do you, David, do you ever pray for joy? I was like, I don't know that I do. I don't know that I ever ask God for joy. And beginning to pray that prayer has been crazy. Like it, I, that's a whole nother series. It has been crazy change for me, asking God for joy. And, and Dean, my coach, he reminded me, he said, you know, Jesus asked for joy for us. So I think it's appropriate that we would join Jesus in praying what he prayed and I'd heard that and I'd read that, but I didn't really remember that. So let me, let me show you that. Jesus has kind of given his last, last speech to his inner circle in John 15. And he, a lot of it is about, hey, just nothing. You got to connect. You got to stay tight. It's all about staying connected to me. You can't do anything of value without me. So abide is the word he used. So he just kind of hits that connect, connect. And then he ends at John 15. He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. Like that's what he wants. Like Jesus is getting hijacked and people use his name all kinds of messed up ways. You know who the real Jesus is? You know how good he is? You know what he wants for you? You know what he wants for you online? You know what he wants for you? I don't need to know anything about you. You know what God wants for you? He wants your joy to be full. That's a good God. Jesus said, listen, I hear all this stuff, these things I've spoken to you. Here's what it's about, that my joy, not the world's joy, not fake joy, not temporary joy, that my Jesus joy would be in you and it would be in you fully. How desperate. I want to say how desperate is this world for some full up joy people, but forget that. How desperate is your world? How does you don't have to have all the answers? Quit putting so much pressure on yourself. You can't fake it. That's what's so hard about this. You can't fake full Jesus joy. But what your neighbors, what your family, what your coworkers, what your people need is an example that's real of somebody that is filled with the Jesus joy. A few chapters later, he's praying. Jesus is praying for us. It's crazy if you read that prayer. He prays for disciples, and he prays for those that will come through the message of the gospel. That's us. He prays for us. Here's what he prays. John 17, 13, part of what he prays. I'm coming to you now. This is Jesus talking to his Father God. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them, within them. And as I've studied it, man, this joy, like it just, it's everywhere. One book that I read about joy said it this way, in the beginning was joy, in the end will be deeper joy, and everything between this life and the next is about God inviting us to come share in deeper joy. That God started this by saying, Let make, let's make people, humans, in our own image, 
And it's interesting that God didn't say, let's make man and woman in my own image, but he said in our own image. Who's our? I thought it was just God. No, in the beginning, before the beginning, there was this community of joy between God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. There was this interacting community that sets the pace. They were fully with each other relationally and connected and beautifully and mysteriously. And he said, let's, let's make humans in our own image. And then Adam and Eve were created and they lived where? In the Garden of Eden. If you study the word Eden, it comes from a Hebrew word, a Hebrew word that is translated literally, the Garden of Joy and Delight. That the original humans were put into a place of joy and delight in relationship with God. That is what we were made for. That is what we're fighting to get back to. It's all about joy and delight. Now, I don't know. I don't know what you think of when you hear that word delight, right? Because that's, that's kind of like, that's, that's what I've been remembering and being reminded of lately. Right? When I say delight, I don't know if you think of Turkish delight, if you like those Narnia books, or if rapper's delight, right? The longest rap song in history. You know, it's like a hundred minute long rap song. Or if I say delight, if you're thinking about like, yeah, you know, Jesus is delight. No, I'm not talking about delight. I'm talking about delight, right? It's the difference between delight and delight, right? But delight, right? It just means to delight and joy are, are, are connected in, in scripture. And it's important, I think, to give you a little bit of definition. It's like, what are we talking about? Joy, delight. Here, here's, here's some beautiful definitions. Joy is a relational experience in which someone is glad to be with me. Right, see, we always tell you what joy isn't, right? If you've been around church, you've heard somebody preach. Joy and happiness, they're not the same. You have a good day, you're happy. You have a bad day, you're not. Happiness comes and goes. Joy doesn't. Well, okay, that's great, but what is joy? I've never like, been able to put my mind around it. Okay, I know it's not happy, because happiness can come and go, but there evidently is a joy that nobody can take from me. I want that. What is it? Well, here's a great definition. It's a relational experience in which, this isn't a super spiritual, but Somebody, and for us that somebody is God, somebody is glad to be with me. Man, I hope you spend some time with God this week. That's important. We say around here, this most important decision I make every day is whether to spend time with God or not. You know what will totally change the time you spend with God? If you remind yourself that it's a relational experience that God is glad to be with you. Wow. I couldn't sleep this morning. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I haven't preached in a month. I go out to my backyard, right, which is this amazing just place that I'm, you know, because I, I wasn't like to connect with God, with nature God. But part of this delight for me, like God is just opening my mind to things that I used to make fun of people for. God forgive me. But I was out there early this morning and just, just, blown away that the God of the universe is glad to be with me. He's glad to be with you. And what makes that so much deeper, because a lot of times, you know, when humans are glad to be with us, we know because they don't see our bad stuff. They don't see our bad side. If you knew me, you probably wouldn't want to hang out with me. And this God knows everything there is to know. 
Not just what you've done, stop. The stuff you've thought about, the stuff you wish you do, but you're not quite that crazy, but you've dreamt about it. He knows. And yet, he's glad to be with you. Here's an even better definition that takes it more spiritual. It says joy at its deepest level is the response to a longing fulfilled. It's a a response. It's what we feel, but it's more than a feeling. It's, It's what happens in us. It's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's a state of being. It's all that. You can't define it, but joy, this delight. It is this state or response. It's what happens to me and in me when a longing in me is fulfilled. Wow. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for us. That's what you want for your friends that you love that are not connected to Jesus. What do we want for them? We want them to have better church attendance, right? No. No. What we want, we want for them to quit doing the stuff that's going to end them in jail, right? No. I mean, yes, but that's not what we ultimately want. What do we want for people? We want the deepest most undescribable longing to be known by their God to be fulfilled. I mean, if we connect people to that, we don't worry about keeping them around or not. Once you taste the longing that God put in you, see, this is the difference. We get so mixed up with this. We come at God like he's this entity, and he's right, and he's truth, and I kind of believe all that. So I want to be right with him. So I'm coming to him, but he's so distant, and he's so, uh, you know, I don't know, but I'm trying here. That's how a lot of us live. Instead, it's no, he's your creator. Like we always say it, but, but we don't really hear it. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. He knit you like he wired you. That's why the the power and the fight over where you came from is so important. If you believe that you're random, right, then it's just your quest to find a greater power. But if you believe the truth that you were designed and created with purpose and intricacies and details and God is glad to be with you and he wants more than anything to know you and for you to know him And sin got in the way, and that's the gospel that he sent Jesus because it was so important that he could be what he loves to call himself most in Scripture, your father. Man, a longing fulfilled. I don't have to know you. I don't have to have ever met you. You might be watching this in the Netherlands on YouTube Way after May 23rd. What's up, Netherlands? And that person, whenever, like this is timeless. The truth is they were created with a longing to be known by their creator. And we're so scared of that, and we mask that, excuse the pun. We, we, we do all kinds of things to go through religious and, and, and this and that to just avoid because there's something in us as awesome as it is. We're a little bit scared of being known intimately because if he's just an entity out there, then I can live my life, do my thing. But if he knows everything I'm thinking right now, if he created me specifically, oh my goodness, the holy God knows everything there is to know and yet somehow is still glad to be with me. I can be accepted 
And this longing for attention and identity that we go and we fight and we struggle, man, this, this is what I want for, our, for my kids, for RC students, right? If there's any group that is like working through identity, it's our young people, right? What do we want for our kids at RC students at Relentless Church? What do we want for them to know who they are? Who are they? They're young people created for a relationship. And they can try, just like many of us have, a thousand things that will fulfill us temporarily, but never can hold the weight of what we were actually created for, a real relationship with our God. Zephaniah, now you know we're getting, ready, we're getting serious, we start quoting Zephaniah, right? Zephaniah, like he, like we don't even talk about old Zeph. I know him as Zeph because I'm a pastor. You, you probably should call him Zephaniah. That's a joke, by the way. But it says, it is in the Old Testament, it is real, and it's this beautiful verse, 317. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Some translations that says he will delight over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. The Lord your God is in your midst. And he's going to rejoice and delight over you. Not over us as an assembly, although that's true, but he's talking specifically. He will delight over you. This is a season, not just for me, I think for our church. Because I've just been spending time sitting down different places in my life and trying to be quiet and just starting with the reality that God, you delight in me. What? You delight in me. There's a longing that only you can fulfill. And when I let you, you do it so well. And that leads to, oh, yeah, I think I'd forgotten that. I did not know it, but I think I forgot. I don't want to live another day without the delight. You know what? It's true. The joy of the Lord, it is my strength. I don't think I ever understood that. I learned that when I was little, little, little. The joy of there's some cool songs to go with it. I'd sing them, but we don't have time. But now the joy of the Lord, what's the joy? It's this longing fulfilled. It's this relationship experience daily that there's a God who's glad to be with me. He doesn't work for me. Don't get it twisted. He does not work for me. He works for my good. He's not my genie or my consultant. He's my Lord and my Savior, right? He's God, I'm not. So don't mess that up. But with that and built on that, once you surrender, oh, he is delighted in me. And he invites me to delight in him. Right, I, I came up from the do. Like, you don't delight for, in God, you do stuff for God. Right? That's what we're here for. Right? In fact, let's wind this down, pray us out, let's go get some stuff done. Do, 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 do. Right? And there's a place, right? There's scripture back there. Most people always, hey, don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer. Don't just hear it, get it done. What does the Bible talk about? Producing fruit. Let's get some fruit produced. Do. Here's what I'm learning, the do, the do has to come out of the delight. If you don't do out of the delight, then your do won't be right. Bars, 
And they put that on the screen. That's how good that is. Put it on the screen so you can see it and take it with you, right? If, if you don't do out of delight, what does that mean? If you, like, I can't just go do great stuff for God. God doesn't like that. Yeah. You know what he likes? You. <laughs> he likes a relationship with you. And yes, the do is really important, and we preach about that. But the do has got to flow out of the delight. He delights in you, and you delight in him. Because if you do the do, if you do the do without the delight, oh, no, it won't be right. You know what it'll be? It'll be religion. It'll be legalistic. It'll be look at me. You'll be doing the right thing for all the wrong reasons. And you'll be missing the joy of the Lord. This right here, this whole, this is why we have so many grumpy Christians. If you, if you haven't noticed, we got a lot of grumpy Christians, right? And I've been grumpy. I've been in that. Like I get in moods. You know what's changed my life? When I'm in that mood, God's glad to be with me. I spent so much of my life trying to get myself right so that God would be glad to be with me. You know how freeing it is to embrace the reality that God's glad to be with me because he's like that, not because I'm anything. And then, man, you sit in that delight this week, guess what's going to happen? You're going to do. You're going to want to do and love and show grace and get busy and serve your tail off for Jesus and his church. All that's going to come out of delight. And the joy of our Lord, I just challenge you this week to dare to delight. I'll end with a statement that we've said for many years, and it's no less true today. How you view how God views you is the beginning of life. How you view, I can't, like, be real in your own mind. I don't need to know. How you view how God views you when he looks at you and what he sees. And I'm saying today, maybe you never heard this before. And maybe you've heard it, but you needed to remember. It has been life-changing for me to remember. God looks at me. And he delights in his creation. In his adopted and rescued son. Man, let me pray that over you. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray that hits in your heart in the week ahead. Father, right now, I just pray for all those that are joining us online live, those that are joining us after the, the live cast, those that are in this room. Father, it, it is, I needed to say this. I should have said this. I'll say it to you, God. This is hard. There's a lot in me that just wants to shake my head and say, there ain't no way <laughs> the God that creates everything and that runs everything and seven, eight billion people, whatever, like there's no, all that you got on your plate, God, there's no way that you actually delight in little old me. But God, it's, it's attached to the gospel. And as I step into that truth, it just becomes more and more true. God, would you give us the boldness and the courage to believe that it's true for everybody hearing my voice right now? Not because I say it, but because you said it, because you're the creator, you're the father. Would we leave this place? Would we dare to delight before we go about our day or go to bed at night, before we get to our to-do list, spiritual or otherwise? Would we just sit and soak in the amazing reality that you love us? And you didn't just say, I love you and take my word for it, but you backed it up by sending Jesus as the ultimate love demonstration. 
to die in our place so that we could have this crazy relationship. God, there's those in the room that aren't quite sure if their deepest longing is to be known by you. I pray that you would just flood them with that truth. Give them a taste of how good it is to know and be known by you. God, just fill us with your joy. We ask for it. We pray we'd live in it this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, church, we will see you next week. Keep remembering.